It's Easter week on Everyday Disciples. I'm Pastor Matthew, and thanks for joining me here today. As we gear up for Good Friday and Easter, there's a lot of scripture that we're going to be talking about in the next few days. One of those passages has some details that we might be tempted to skim past. That when Jesus dies, the temple curtain is torn and the tombs of saints are opened. I sit down today with Aidan Hunt to dig into this weird Bible story. Then, another part of our Easter celebration is music. And Adam Vanderstelt and I take a look at some Easter songs that we'll be singing this Sunday and in the coming weeks. And we'll look at how Christians have put the resurrection to music throughout history up to today. All that and more ahead on Everyday Disciples. Well, I'm joined here with Aiden Hunt on this uh, week leading up to Easter here. And um, Aiden, we're, we're about to read through all of the the texts surrounding Jesus' death and his resurrection in the coming days, uh, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. And uh, thought it'd be good for us to talk about some, do some of our weird Bible story stuff. Yeah, the, the, the weird Bible stories, they don't, they don't stop in the new in the New Testament. They keep going. It's not just the Old Testament that has weird stuff. The new New Testament's got some stuff we gotta unpack too, and uh, some stuff we gotta, you know, dissect bit by bit. And it, it all just it it makes a lot of sense once you look at it, but it takes a little bit of inspection sometimes. And so there's there's one part in the the story about the death of Jesus that often I think if if somebody was retelling the story, uh, you know, after like going to church on Good Friday, we're gonna we're gonna read some of this. Uh, oh, actually, I take it back. I'm not sure if this particular if the Matthew reading shows up in what we're gonna read this year on Good Friday. I know we're reading a lot from Luke. So we might not hear this one this this time. but if somebody was recounting the story, I feel like they would maybe skip these details um, because on the surface they they seem pretty insignificant. They don't, they don't seem, and they're, they just kind of seem like a huh. Yeah, they're like, yeah. huh, that happened. Cool. And so the part that we're talking about here comes from Matthew chapter 27, uh, starting at verse 51 through 54, where it mentions the temple curtain being torn and then this earthquake that causes a bunch of what sounds like zombies to, to come to life here. So Aiden, you want to read those verses for us so folks listening can hear what we're talking about? Suddenly the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. So this falls right after, like in the previous paragraph here, Jesus dies. Jesus gives up his spirit. Uh, Jesus dies. And this is a result of Jesus dying. Um, the temple curtain is torn in two, and these tombs are open. So let's let's maybe take these two events uh, one at a time here. Maybe we'll talk about the the temple curtain being torn in two. Um, what do you make of that one, Aiden? So I actually mentioned this in uh, my sermon from about a month ago, where we we talked about how the the curtain of the temple that we we see that is torn. When Jesus dies, we almost think of it as like just like the curtain over the windows of the temple, so that you know the glare doesn't get in. Certainly, how we use or think of curtains today. Yeah, for how the we most think part. how we think of curtains like in our cultural context. But this curtain was not those kinds of curtains. This was the curtain that hung in the temple, 
um, that separated the centermost part of the temple, the Holy of Holies, where they believed that the presence of God dwelled most uh, you know, strongly where the Ark of the Covenant was. Um, and this was the case both in the temple in Jerusalem and even way back in the Exodus in the wilderness when the Israelites traveled with the tabernacle as the, at the center of their camp everywhere they went. And the Holy of Holies was where the high priest would go once a year to make a sacrifice on behalf of the people um, because that's where the presence of God was most, uh, almost like most saturated. Like that's where it, it was the most real here on earth. Like that was where heaven and earth came to collide was in the Holy of Holies. This curtain was not just, you know, a curtain keeping the glare out or the sun. Like this was a thick, very like strong curtain because the presence of God was not safe for a human being like you or I. Um, and so when, and, and I think we need to lean in for a second on like, when you say thick curtain, we don't just mean like, you know, you can go down to the, it wasn't corduroy. The, well, yeah, you, you can go down to the, the home store and you can get something that's like a room darkening yeah. curtain. Uh, that's not the thickness we're talking. We're talking like, um, I was just trying to find it here on, on, in my notes. It, it's like a four inch thick curtain. That's nuts. That's, so that's this, this is, I mean, curtain. when you think about like a fabric curtain, um, we, we think yeah. of, you know, something, you know, maybe a quarter of an inch thick or something is a pretty heavy curtain. Yeah, We're talking four inches, yeah. give or take. You can't throw this thing in the washer. No. You gotta, you gotta. This is a heavy thing that we're talking about here. Yeah. And so the reason that this curtain had to be so thick, though, is that the presence of God is so holy. It is so good. It is so powerful. And we as human beings, because of our sin and our brokenness, it is therefore not safe for us to be in God's presence. So the, the thickness of the curtain is for our protection. When you go into the temple, you don't want to, you know, be so close to the presence of God. Um, but the thing about Jesus, about the incarnation, where God has come to earth in a human body as a man in Jesus of Nazareth, the presence of God is now dwelling among his people. And when Jesus dies and, and our sins are forgiven and atoned for the, the separation between God and humanity is no longer a thing because Jesus has died for our sins. And so when Jesus dies, that curtain that separates the presence of God from humanity is torn in half it doesn't matter anymore. It, we don't need that curtain to separate us from God because we have been reconciled to him through Jesus. And I love that imagery in the text of it's split from top to bottom. God coming to us. Yeah, not know, bottom to top. It wasn't something we did. It was right, from him. Right. It, it just, again, it reinforces that direction of how God works. It's from him to us. Yeah. Man, it's, it's powerful stuff. And I think it's a it's a great connection then right into the next thing that happens here uh, with the rock split. In fact, I, I was looking at a, a um, commentary that that makes, I think, a pretty good argument that that really um, – now, I don't – what what version were you reading out of? Is is that the – It was ESV. Oh. I have the ESV open. It was must be a different um, version from what I have then. Um so mine, mine has, you know, and behold, the, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, period. And the earth shook and the rocks were split, period. And it makes the argument that that first period shouldn't be there. That really to say the, this, this is all one thing that's happening. The, the curtain is torn in two and the earth shook and the rocks were split. That this is a one, one movement that's happening here. And it says the tombs were opened and uh, many bodies of the saints who had fallen, fallen asleep were raised. So we've got um, that, that uh, bodies of the saints, to, to those who were reading this originally, they would have thought 
had in mind maybe some Old Testament heroes. Uh, that's the saints that they were maybe thinking of um, who had fallen asleep, that they are raised. Now, there's a weird little little timing thing in here in verse 53. Um, they're raised at this point when the, uh, the, to- the tombs are opened, but it says coming out of the tombs after his resurrection. So Jesus just died. Uh, his resurrection isn't, isn't for a little bit here in the story, but Matthew's throwing this detail in that after his resurrection, then they went out into the holy city. So it makes you wonder, were they just milling around the cemetery for a couple of days until Jesus uh, rose? Were they hanging out just in their tombs until then? It's kind of a strange picture that Matthew's painting here for us. Um, And it leads to all sorts of questions. So did these people rise like Lazarus rose? So they all died again. Um, Did they rise to um, like resurrected bodies in the sense of the end times resurrection? Is, is this the foretaste of, of that resurrection to come? Uh, so in other words, do they, do they rise to die again or do they rise not to die again? Uh, like Jesus rises not to die again. Uh, now there's no, Matthew doesn't point us in one direction or the other in his text here. Uh, so it's, it's something to just maybe wonder about. But man, it's a, it's a, a amazing connection to what Jesus is doing as Jesus dies, uh, as that temple is, or as the, the curtain of the temple is torn in two, and now the grave is torn in two. So the grave can't hold us either. Um, it's a, a powerful reminder of this resurrection reality that is happening, even in this moment as Jesus is dying on the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we should miss that this last verse, where the first person who. <clears throat> really sees all of this happening around them and sees that this this death was much more than just a simple Jewish man. The first person to say, truly, this was the son of God was not a Jew, but in fact, it was a Roman soldier. Um, so that this message of salvation we see even right here as soon as Jesus dies is not just for the Jewish people, but it is for all people, um, Jew and Gentile alike. And yeah, and, and, and I love the point too, that um, these these holy ones, these saints who had fallen asleep, these these presumably Jewish saints that that they're referring to here, um, as Matthew paints this picture, it's not just like you just said. It's it's not just this for everyone going forward, but it's also going backward. You know, Jesus' death and his resurrection is what saves those who came before him. Uh, the, their faith in that event is the same as our faith in that event. They were looking forward to it. We're looking backward to it. It is, it is the pivotal moment for all time um, in human history here. So that's a, a really interesting little paragraph here, uh, a little aside that happens in the Easter story. But, man, one that is packed full of meaning here. So I hope as you hear these words read in the next few days, as you think about these so over the, the Easter holiday weekend here, uh, that these maybe give a little bit more meaning, a little more depth to words that you hear all the time. Well, I'm sitting here once again with Adam Vanderstelt. The worship guys are back together today to talk about uh, some Easter songs. This is uh, the week of Easter here, and we're getting ready to sing all the the fun songs. We've been 
Adam all Lent, we've been singing all the the Lent songs. A lot of lot of focus on the cross, a lot of focus on uh, Jesus' death and our repentance as it, uh, the season goes on. And and we're about to turn the corner here, yeah. and and sing all the. We go from the minor keys to the, the major, major keys. keys. We're so, back in the major yep. keys. So uh, we thought today would be really good to, to kind of talk about some of the, the songs that we sing around Easter. We've done some of these, why we sing, what we sing, uh, looking at individual songs. We thought today, maybe a little longer segment, we'll talk about a, a bunch of different songs that we're going to sing this weekend on Easter. Um, so I thought probably, you know, should should start with one of the first ones that, that we're going to sing, one that people know, uh, Christ the Lord is risen today, or Jesus Christ is risen today, depending on which which uh, tradition you grew up in. Um, in in our hymnals, uh, Jesus Christ is risen today has a different tune than I think like most of the rest of the world has the has a different tune okay. to this one. There's, there's kind of two similar Easter tunes that... Uh, these texts get flip-flopped back and forth. But Jesus Christ is risen today. Um, classic, classic Easter hymn, if there ever was one. Um, so much so that like it, it gets done in, in contemporary settings and stuff. The the text and the tune really both are uh, what pretty enduring, I guess. They're, they are. Yes. I remember this song uh, growing up as a kid. We sang this uh, in my home church, and I, I always thought of it as the one that had the high note. Uh, the, high the high note, it's right there in uh, the the third um, series, yeah, third phrase there. Who did once upon the cross? I just remember yeah, that's the one, the high note. Like that's the one we got to sing it's later way in the up service. There. Yeah, this was the one. That, the growing up uh, at my church, like I I had never heard this song without brass. Oh, really? Our our church on Easter always had a bunch of brass and even like the timpani and the organ, you know, revved up to to Mm. full speed. Um, I didn't, this was one that I never knew you could do without brass. Like it just, (laughs) it seemed like, and and of course we had a, the church I grew up at had a big choir too. So you had like this army of voices leading it. It was uh, usually kicking off Easter Sunday and and, uh, definitely one that, is at least for me, and I'm sure it is for others too, uh, a little bit nostalgic when mm. you sing it, you know, yeah. kind of rem- reminded of those days growing up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I remember sitting in the seventh, the seventh, the left side of the church, seventh row Easter morning, every, every Easter. And I, I, I think this was usually the song that they started with, yeah. you know, a downbeat. That was the, the this song right here. So, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you almost can't sing it without uh, smelling Easter lilies and yeah. and all that. I'm thinking about ham, yeah, or ham, yeah, <laughs> deviled eggs, all the things that go along with Easter. You know, it's funny. Easter is not one of those holidays that tends to be uh, nostalgic like Christmas is. You know, Christmas tends to have all the warm fuzzies with it, and and for for whatever reason, Easter doesn't have that that same nostalgia. But there are bits of it in there. I always uh, just remember I had to wear my nice new shirt. On Easter, oh, you had to. I had to. Oh. I was like, no, you, you got to look like your brother. Did you know? Put on your nice purple shirts and look like your brother. And See, I remember Easter. Easter was when we got to dress up, like you know, we got to wear suit and tie and all that to church. Mm-hmm. It was that was the fancy day. Uh. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's funny those those things that we connect with that. But looking at uh, looking at the hymn here, so we're gonna you know we sing these words all the time. Um, 
And I think one of the reasons why this tends to be, uh, you know, one of the first ones that gets used on an Easter Sunday worship, uh, especially in churches that are a little more liturgical, a little more traditional, even more so than our church, um, during the season of Lent, the traditionally the church puts away the Alleluias, so you know we don't sing Alleluias and things like that. Now um, we're not quite so rigid about that here, but uh, there are some churches that don't do that. So when when it comes to Easter Sunday morning, this is like the first time in six weeks that we've been able to sing Alleluia. So we've got a song that's got four, <laughs> four of them of in them each verse. You know, we get to sing it sixteen times here uh-huh. in the opening. Uh, yeah, catch opening up. of worship, right? <laughs> catch up on our Alleluias. Uh, but man, this one and uh, you know the lyrics kind of get get swapped between the two sometimes depending on the the church you grew up in or the the hymnal that you used. But the lyrics in in both this uh, Jesus Christ is risen today and Christ the Lord is risen today, uh, man, such powerful lyrics in there. Um, you know, if you kind of just ignore the Alleluia's for and just look at the 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 text of it, um, you know, we've got some. Some beautiful things like uh, verse 3, you know, the pains that he endured, our salvation have procured. Now above the sky, he's king, where the angels ever sing. And, you know, alleluia is interspersed through all of that. And um, in in the other one, um, you know, Christ the Lord is risen today. Uh, where's the verse that I just really love? Um like, like in that one too, verse three, you know, hail the victim undefiled, God and sinners reconciled. Sounds a little bit like it's Christmas, like Christmas yeah. Um, when contending death and life met in strange and awesome strife, uh, Christians on this holy day, all your grateful homage pay. Christ the Lord is risen on high. Now he lives no more to die. Um, is, you know, just beautiful, beautiful lyrics there that we get to sing uh, in those songs. But there's more than just that song uh, that we sing at Easter time. Yeah. Um, one of the other ones I know that is a uh, I, I grew up with as a, a classic uh, Easter. I almost said Christmas. Um, classic Easter hymn that we get to sing, but also at other times too. Was I know that my Redeemer lives. Um, this is another one of those like just you know powerful. Uh, music, first of all, super singable as far as hymns go. Um, been at a lot of funerals where this has been sung okay. too. Great, uh, great connection there to remember, like the in the face of death, the hope that we have. And we'll be singing this one uh, this week on Easter too. Um, now. We're probably not going to sing all eight verses of it, and I know in different in different uh, hymnals there have been different numbers of verses and stuff, and um, it always kind of cracks me up when when there's a hymn with you know eight, ten, twelve. There's one in here that I think has fifteen verses. Oh my um, goodness! A, a Lent one. We sang it a, a few weeks ago at one of our our evening services. Yeah. Um, oh, dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken has 15 verses. And we, we told everybody, ah, well, maybe we'll just sing 12. Um, There's a <laughs> small panic that went over the, uh-huh. the room when we said that. We I think we only sang two or three. But. Yeah. I'm looking at these words here, and uh, I know my Redeemer lives. This isn't a song that uh, I'm familiar with, um, but I love the uh, lyrics of the fourth verse. Um, he lives to grant me rich supply. He lives... To guide me with his eye, he lives 
to comfort me when faint. He lives to hear my soul's complaint. So um, that the resurrection wasn't just like a, a one-off occurrence. Like it's a it's a continuation of Christ's work in our life. That um, that now um, that the gap between us and God um, has been eliminated through through Christ, like we have access to a rich supply um, of his goodness, of his grace, of his, uh, you know, the fruits of the spirit. So I just like that. I think that's that's what I really like about this hymn is it, it does a really good job of bringing Easter into the everyday. Um, we were talking about this at staff uh, a little while back that uh, in, in this book that we're reading on the resurrection, about how you know Jesus' resurrection, we kind of maybe have that sometimes in our mind as it was like this thing that he did, um, you know, where he came back to life from from death. But we really don't have always a, a firm grasp on what does that mean for us today. Mm-hmm. You know, how does mm-hmm. that how does that change things for me today? And this hymn does a really great job of trying to explain that of like so. So he lives, and you know, there's eight verses now of, uh, like, like I love number seven too. He lives and grants me daily breath. He lives, and I will conquer death. He lives, my mansion to prepare. He lives to bring me safely there. Um, it's this is all stuff that's like here and now, but also future. There's that my my mansion to prepare, that you know, my heavenly home that he is he is uh, bringing me to. Um, he lives to silence all my fears. He lives to wipe away my tears. He lives to calm my troubled heart. He lives all blessings to impart. Um, you know what a what a great reminder of just the the everyday of what Easter does for us. Yeah, and timely that that verse you just read. He lives to silence all my fears. Right, um, we've just been going through a time of of fears and tears and uh, and troubles and. Um, how good to know that Easter keeps going, that as Christians, we're Easter people. It's not just a holiday we celebrate once a year. It's something, uh, it's a truth we live into, um, or we, we have the opportunity to live into. Um, yeah, when we truly uh, accept the truth of the resurrection and the, and the beauty of it. Well, let's look at another one. You want to look at another, uh, another hymn? Yeah. Um, so here's here's another one, Adam. I don't know if you're familiar with this one. Uh, Awake my heart with gladness. Um, you familiar with that one? Grow up with that one. Um, this is a, we're not going to sing this one on Easter Sunday. We'll be singing this in the next couple of weeks. Um, but another uh, really you know powerful song, beautiful beautiful melody. Uh, first of all, um, so many of these Easter hymns just have a very classic uh, singableness to them. I think that's why they've endured for for the, the centuries that they've been around. Um, but an, another one with, with really uh, beautiful lyrics here. Awake my heart with gladness, see what today is done. Now after gloom and sadness, now after coming out of Lent, uh, comes forth the glorious sun. My Savior there was laid where our bed must be made. When to, when to the realms of light our spirit wings its flight. Uh, you know, Jesus lied in that place that we were meant to be, mm-hmm. and now he He has risen, now we will rise. Um, it kind of recounts the, the other verse. This is another, um, some of these older hymns, you know, like these guys weren't short on words. Uh, seven, seven verses, seven verses yep. here. Um, <laughs> not one that we normally sing all seven of, which I guess is always, 
as a, you know, the, the person who's picking the music a lot of times for the traditional service, especially, um, there is a little bit of that tension of, oh man, should we sing all eight verses or all seven or all six verses? Should we cut it down? How much is too much? How much is, uh, cutting it short and short changing the song? Um, there is always that kind of balance of, of, uh, how much do you sing and how much do you, uh, do you leave out sometimes? Boy, I'm looking at the lyrics of this one. It'd be hard to, it'd be hard to leave one out because it is, it's a narrative, it's a very narrative song in that it's, um, it starts at the foot of the cross, um, or, or at the, sorry, at the empty tomb. Um, but then in the seventh verse, you know, it's, it's a song about, the connection of the resurrection and and our resurrection. Um, uh, He brings me to the portal that leads to bliss untold where on this rhyme immortal is found the script of gold. Who there my cross is shared finds here a crown prepared, our crown. Who there with me has died shall here be glorified. So in in Jesus Christ, we're, uh, we, there's fancy words, right? Glorification and sanctification, right? So we're, um, glorification happens at the cross. Sanctification happens uh, through the course of our lives, but ultimately we, we become fully glorified uh, in heaven with, with Christ. So, yeah, powerful. Yeah, some beautiful stuff here. Um, you know, and it's, it's uh, you know, kind of worth noting as you kind of page through, we've got the hymnal here in front of us, uh, as you're paging through kind of the Easter section, it's not short. No, um, you know Easter. Rich. Easter, the the day you know gets gets celebrated in most people's mind uh, just on that Sunday. The season though of Easter lasts for several weeks. Um, I forget off the top of my head if it's six or seven weeks of Easter. Um, you know, it's a it's a long span all the way up to Pentecost, and. Um, so there's a there's a lot of lot of great Easter hymns that the church has kind of collected over the the centuries, and that we get to still sing today, and some some new ones. We were we were talking before we started rolling here about there's a, a handful in the Easter section of the hymnal here that's like yeah I I don't know that hymn um, that's not one that that I grew up with that's a that's a new addition in in this hymnal here. Um, well, how about we turn our attention to to some of the more modern songs okay. that we're going to be singing? Yeah, um, that we sing around this time of year. Um, you know, here at St. Matthew, we've got our traditional service and we've got a contemporary service that we get to um, we get to have the best of both worlds the, mm-hmm. the best of the traditional stuff, the best of the modern things that are being written today. Um, we're also going to try to bring those all together on Sunday. So we're going to see how this goes with our our Easter service, <laughs> doing a combined uh, combined service of the traditional and the contemporary in our two spaces, kind of simulcast together. Um, it it should be a it should be a, a technological feat. We we we've, we've pulled this off before. Uh, we're hoping to pull it off again, and uh, hopefully nice and smooth and something that blesses everybody. But yeah. Uh, one of the ones that we're singing this weekend uh, is "Because He Lives," uh, one that's been around for a minute, not a not a brand new song, um, but a, a a great one nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, you know, of course the the title and maybe the rewrite. It's it's a Matt Mayer song, but uh, I think it was originally a Gaither song. The, because he lives, I yeah, can that, face tomorrow. Um, that bridge that they pull in there is, mm-hmm. is from the the Gaither's hymn. 
um, which I grew up hymn singing or, the Gaither. I guess I don't know what do you what, call that? What, what category that falls into? If it if it's a hymn or a, a praise chorus or yeah, probably gospel music or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I I love this song um, uh, because it starts with our condition. I believe right. We were I was dead in the grave, covered in sin and shame. Then mercy called uh, my name. Um, and makes a direct connection um, because Christ is alive. I'm alive in Christ. Um, it's a it's a wonderful song, right? Strong echoes of uh, Ephesians two mm. eight. You know, you were you okay. were dead in your sins. We were we were dead in the grave, uh, covered in sin and shame. Mercy called my name, mm-hmm. called me out of that grave. Uh, also, kind of a reminder of uh, the story of Lazarus too, right? We mm. we were dead in that grave, and Lazarus was called out from that grave. We were called out from that death too. Yeah. Something I really appreciate about Matt Maher is, uh, um, you know, he, he's from kind of the Catholic tradition, um, and so also kind of bringing a similar understanding of how we come to faith. That it's it's not my. Uh, my action, but it's God's action calling me to faith, and and you really see that like in this song here that mm-hmm. he's put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and while it's a song that has a lot of I in it, you know, I believe, I believe, um, I I appreciate what it is that he's saying. We believe um, that I'm alive because He lives. It's it's because of Jesus that then I believe that I overcome, that there's power in this blood. Um, it's because of Jesus. And I, I love, too, that that chorus from the the old Gaither's hymn of Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. It's a little bit like we said with um, I Know That My Redeemer Lives. It's, it's pulling the resurrection into the everyday. Uh, I can face tomorrow. My fears are gone. I know he holds me. Uh, my future's in his hand. All because Jesus lives. It's not just a day that we get to have ham and deviled eggs and, mm-hmm. and the kids bring home a bunch more candy. Right, dress up all fancy for church. It's it's not just that. What else are we singing on Easter, Adam? We're singing Hallelujah for the Cross. Mm. Yeah, um, that's another great song. Which is a great song as well. And that's a bit of a newer one. It is a bit of a newer one. I'm just pulling up the lyrics here now. Um We've been singing that. Uh, we started singing that when I came to St. Matthew here. So that, that song was written in 2018. Okay. Um, so it's this is a you know as songs go, it's, it's, especially as you know the ones that we talked about in the the traditional stuff. You know some of those songs have been around for several hundred years. Right. Um, this one's been around for you know uh, three four years uh, mm-hmm. is all. Yeah, and these are really well written words um, uh, because again it starts with the hypothetical of what if. What if there wasn't, um, if there wasn't a cross, if there wasn't a resurrection, yep. uh, where I would be, um, which is, is a, I think it's what we do th- in Lent, right? As we sort of remember our, um, our, our brokenness, yep, our fallen condition. Our fallen condition. Um, so the, I like this song because it ties uh, Lent and Easter together sure, uh, in, a, in a nice way. Because uh, the second verse says, you have won me. Right. Um, and chased me down when I was lost. And then we get to sing hallelujah and, and a thank you. Um, I was a prisoner. Now I'm not. With your blood, you bought my freedom. Hallelujah for the cross. Which is one of those weird weird things that Christians get to say. Uh, you know, hallelujah for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for, for dying on that cross. That mm-hmm. In the same way that we're, we're going to refer to Friday as Good Friday. 
mm-hmm. the day that God dies on the cross. I mean, what should be the worst day uh, becomes the best day. It becomes mm-hmm. a good day mm-hmm. for us. And, and so we get to, through the power of Jesus' resurrection, we get to mm-hmm. see something as horrific as the cross. I mean, when you really think about what what happened on the cross to Jesus, um, to be able to then say thank you for that, hallelujah for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing God turn those those bad things into, into great things, um, mm-hmm. man, I'm glad every time He does that every day in my life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of one of those strange things that you know, to people outside of the faith, it's like, man, you guys sing a lot about like blood and and torture instruments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Um, but not knowing, uh, the, yeah, the context of that is that you know we sing about that those things because they are our freedom uh, and our and our new life. Um, the bridge actually does the same thing. By your stripes, I'm healed. Um, stripes being the, the whips on Christ's mm-hmm. back. Like that's uh, that's a pretty hard sentence to swallow for me. You know, mm-hmm. um, we sing that. Um, with joy, um, but uh, the magnitude ought not to be lost on us of that statement. Yeah, this song, like like a lot of them, um, does a really nice job of pulling Good Friday and Easter together. By your stripes I'm healed, by your death I live, power of sin is overcome, it is finished. We're going to hear those words on Good Friday. It is finished, it is done. Um, but Jesus lives. Mm. Thank you, Jesus, for that cross. Mm. I gotta say, you know, a lot of these, uh, especially songs that are being written in the last, you know, five years or so, uh, man, there has really been just a uh, what a move within within the church, within the part of the church that's writing modern songs um, to really write these like deep, meaningful songs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know contemporary songs got a got a bad rap for a while about being kind of fluffy and not a whole lot to them. And man, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think you can say that anymore. Uh, no, not the, about the songs being written today. The theology is really rich and, and it feels like it's echoing um, the hymnody of the past. Uh, you know, it feels like it's sure. Yeah. Certainly standing continuing. in the same tradition as some of these hymn writers uh, from the hymnal that I've got sitting here next to me, um, you know, who are really trying to artfully, capture the the beauty, the complexity of what God has done for us and what his love for us looks like, um, how that plays out in our life. They're really doing a just a fantastic job at that. And pairing it with good music too. Like the the music itself is is well done, well composed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about one more? One more. What else are we going to sing on Easter? We're going to sing uh, Resurrecting and Living Hope, both of which I love and both of which I'm willing to talk about. Which one would you... <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge fanboy of Living Hope, so... Let's talk about Living Hope. Let's that, talk, that talk about great, Living Hope. And, and that's one that uh, we know our church here really, really loves that song. Um, I know I know Adam and I both love to lead that song because, man, we can really hear the congregation sing out on that. Yeah, one. they start leading you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, this, this is definitely one of those ones that uh, you just kind of start it and get out of the way. Cause, yeah, exactly. Because, man, they, they sing it and they sing it well. Um, I know as I look at this song, um, this is, I think, kind of like we said with um, – uh, like, like awake my heart with gladness, where it's a bit of a narrative song. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It's it, it's a song that's that's telling a story, and the story that it's telling is uh, the story of Jesus. 
Jesus coming, Jesus dying, Jesus rising. Um, painting that picture right at the beginning of the, the chasm, the, the state that we were in. There's this chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven. I spoke your name into the night, you know, crying out to God. Um, through the darkness, through your loving kindness, through the shadows, uh, tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Um, you know, as, this, as it moves on through there, just some, I mean, again, beautiful, beautiful words that we get to sing. The cross is spoken. I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, verse 1, you know, going back to that one, um, uh, from the tradition that that we're in, um, you know, we talk about grace and grace alone is, mm-hmm. is what buys us, and, and that's what that verse is about. It's, um, there was nothing I could do. Right. There was nothing I could do. And, and it borrows, like, Old Testament um, imagery of, like, a curtain uh, in the tabernacle, mm-hmm. um, in the curtain tour, um, um, over uh, over that weekend, um, so it's just it's again. I mean, I think you already said it, but um, it starts with the. Um, in a lot of ways, it starts with um, the ending. I think. Um, well, well, it says that the work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Solid period. Like, yes. like that's that's um, no question mark, no doubt. Statement right. of fact. Right. If I can believe that, if I can believe that sentence, the work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope, my faith becomes a lot, a lot stronger. If I can live into the fact that I don't, that God, that Christ already did the work for me, and it's through his grace um, that, yeah, the end is written, that I, I have eternal life uh, with, with God, um, psh, man. That's that's hope for today and for tomorrow. And in verse three, um, you know the the words that especially relate to Easter Sunday. Mm. You know, and and I, I love this. I love singing this verse. I love leading this verse about you know that then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion mm-hmm. declared, "The grave has no claim on me." Mm. Um, not it's not written this way in the music, um, but. I, I like that you can read that fourth line there, declare the grave has no claim on me. I like that you can read that both ways. Mm. That Jesus is declaring it has no claim on him. Mm. But I think also that Jesus is declaring it also has no claim on you, mm. on, on, mm. on my people, on, on me, the person singing the song. Like We get to say that because Jesus got to say that. And, and I, I like that it's a little bit of like d- deliberate ambiguity there. Um, you know, there's no quotations around that. Um, it's 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 a true statement both ways. Um, because of Jesus' victory, we can say that too. Uh, so, man, when we sing out, you know, those that, those final refrains of my living hope. Mm. Hallelujah! Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah! Death has lost its grip on me. Broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Powerful stuff. Glad that we get to sing this stuff uh, 
uh, at Easter and the stuff that we've got coming up in the weeks ahead. It's going to be a, a great season, great season of rejoicing here as we get to worship together. So thanks for talking through these, Adam. Appreciate it. And uh, hope that as you sing these songs over the next few weeks, uh, that you you get to see a little bit more um, the, the depth of some of the words that we're singing in these songs. Thanks for listening to Everyday Disciples. Everyday Disciples is part of the online ministry of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids. We're striving to be followers of Jesus wherever we are, and we hope you'll join us on that journey. If you found this podcast helpful in your spiritual journey, we'd be honored if you would rate us and review us wherever you listen. It helps people find us and get the good news about Jesus out there to the world. If you've got questions or suggestions for things that you'd like to hear about on Everyday Disciples, let us know with an email to media at stmatthewgr.com.